0: You are now listening to the Jason Capital Show. So sit down and lend me your ears. I
1: am Jason Capital. You are an action taker in this world of talkers, and we are here together handcrafting your legendary life. How do I make money? What does your day look like? What were some of the biggest challenges you faced? Ask JC.
0: Hi, my name is Logan Lapierre. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And today is my interview with Jason Capital. What would you say is the easiest, quickest, best way to generate an income to help someone like replace their rat race income with a laptop income?
1: Totally. Get one skill that you can offer to businesses that will actually turn a profit for them and the profit will be significantly greater than what you're going to charge them and it's done for you and go offer that to them. And don't create something that they might want, might not want. Find the thing they already want because they already have a problem that needs solving and they know what the problem is. Like I have people on the phone, they can't close. I need better closers. That would be one way to go. Or they might not know that they even have the problem. For instance, my Instagram, we don't know how to generate appointments and leads and all this stuff on our Instagram, and I didn't even know you could do that. And I've been sitting on a goldmine, and you come along as an IG agent, and you show them the whole thing, and they go, fuck, let's do this. Because I'm giving you two grand a month, and I can see, dude, this is like, conservatively, you're going to make me $15,000 a month. I'll, this is a good deal. I'll take this. That, that is the fastest way. done-for-you services to businesses that will make them more money than what you're asking. And it can, again, it can't be, like, the problem most salespeople, marketers make is they assume what the prospect wants. And so they create something that they hope the prospect will want, right? Or they want it, so they assume everyone else wants it. And when they go to sell it, people don't want it. And they go, I understand, why don't people want it? Well, because you never fucking asked them what they really wanted. It was an egotistical pursuit in the first place. You were creating something for yourself, not for them. If you just asked them what they wanted, they would have told you, I want a... Uh, 100,000 followers on Instagram. They might have just told you that. And now you gotta go find a way where you can get them 100,000 followers on Instagram for a lower cost than they can get it anywhere else. And then you go to them and you offer them that, they're probably gonna say yes. Like, find out what they want and then develop a done for you service that gives them that and make sure that whatever you're charging, they're gonna make a lot more back.
0: This is exactly what you mentioned in the actual edge agent program where you're talking about ask the actual people that you wanna service exactly what it is they want.
1: hundred percent. It's like when it's like you're talking to I, like a, a prospect right let's say it's you're on the phone and they ask you well like can you tell me more about the product what's in it what am I getting what should you ask them back what exactly do you need? Yeah, or well what would you like to see in the product and then they tell you and then you go that's it that's what's in the product right and hopefully that is actually what's in the product because usually people have different ways of describing the same thing so the way you may have described it not what they want to hear might not have been their code language for what they want. So instead, you ask them, they say it, and as long as it's similar, then you should be good, and yep, that's what's in it. And now you've actually delivered them what they want. The other part, of course, is like, uh, so I'll give you a good example right now, I'm doing this. And I wish more people did, more marketers did this. I really think ego is the enemy here, right? Uh, I have been working for several months now to find a supplement, like a brain pill that makes you smarter sharper more focused more alert you don't hit the wall you don't crash i see way too many people all day long now in conversations they're on their phone talking to someone and they go wait what was i just doing you ever do this what's, what's yeah and, and you work your ass off on your personal development think about the average person who doesn't at all they do this all day long wait what was i just doing so people are getting dumber thanks to their phone yes. so i want to create a, a supplement to help with that as well as something i can take myself and in the last several months, I've tested out 11 different formulations of a brain pill. It's researchers, scientists, I'm burying my head in like studying all the fucking these, these nutrients and stuff I never thought I would have to know, right? To find, and the first 11, uh, set the first seven were crap. I didn't notice a difference. And then of the last four, two of them actually, damn, these are really good, right? And I don't know which one is better. I've been, literally, I'm on one right now. I've been taking one and the other each day. I call one A, the other one B, right? And now I'm trying to figure out, well, what should I offer to my marketplace? Instead of me egotistically saying, well, I like this one more, so I'm gonna sell it, which may work, because I did test other ones to find the best one. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go to my audience, and I'm gonna say, hey, I need your help. Here's what's been happening. I got two now, A or B. I wanna send half of you A and half of you B, and we're gonna test it out for 30 days. We're gonna hang out in a Facebook group. You're gonna tell me all of your experience. We're gonna document this shit. And the one you guys like the most that's going to be the one that we're going to offer to you and to everyone else. So you're going to tell me what you want instead of me telling you what you should want.
0: Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Good. Okay. That's interesting because my friends and I, we use nootropics as well. Legal nootropics like, tropics, like and like Edafinil, Stuff that you mentioned, I believe in like your forex. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, see, I wish I could sell FeniBit. I can't. It's it's not legal. There's FDA stuff. Like it's legal in some countries, it's illegal. It's fine uh, as long as you're smart with it. But I can't I can't package that. I can't sell that. I also I don't take it anymore. In fact, Dan, who's behind the camera here, uh, last week he was at my house and we we were doing some supplements and I pulled out this giant bag of fenibit I used to have. I haven't taken it in like three years. And he was like, "What is that?" Because like, giant bag of fenibit. What does that look like?
0: It looks, Coke. yeah, it looks
1: like Coke. It Coke. totally looks like Coke, right? Yeah. So he was like, What is that? And I was like, It's not Coke, spend a bit. You wanna try some? Sure. He tried a little bit. He was like, dude, this is amazing. It's like yes. this is so great. Everyone who takes it, right? They're like, This Coke. is great. Yeah, I don't wanna sell someone else's supplement here, but you can't you can't sell anyway. So, anyways, I gave it to him and now he's like been taking it every other day. He had his girlfriend try it, and she's a social psychologist or a clinical psychologist at, at schools, and she's like, This is amazing, what's in it? They, they all love it, right? Yeah. Um Point being like yeah, Fenabit was, was one that I used to take that I, I liked. And I talked about that in you know, 4X Energy, which an old, old training of mine. Modafinil, dude, I stopped taking that a couple of years ago. Uh, I did not like how it made me feel over time, even though I only took a little bit of it. Um, so I've just been... I'll tell you this. As I've gotten so much cleaner with my diet and my sleep and my rituals, I have needed less and less stuff. And now, like, I've been, I've been really good for a while on nothing. No caffeine. I don't drink caffeine at all. I don't take any of that stuff. But I was... I was noticing that in the afternoons, I felt a little, not as sharp. Okay. And, and I wanted, I want the edge, right? I always want the edge. So that's when I started being like, hey, who else has this problem? Okay, everyone. Cool, let's, let's figure something out here.
0: Okay, that's really powerful. Um, talking about morning success, I think your rituals and stuff like that, what would you say are your morning success rituals and your evening success rituals, and why? Like why are those specific actions in there?
1: Gotcha, so in the morning, First thing I do is I hydrate, so I drink a lot of water, uh, and I celebrate that, right? And then uh, after that I move. So I either do like five, 10 minutes of yoga, or I foam roll for about five, or 10 minutes. And this is just to get my body moving. I want to get the lymphatic system pumping. Like, the worst thing you can do is wake up and then go sit in a chair and not move. Like Your body needs movement, right? So I move. So I hydrate, I move, and then I journal, right? And there's certain things I do in the journal. Uh, first thing I do is I list the things that I'm grateful for, five things I'm grateful for, then I write my four goals right? Like my one year goals, I write those down and then I play with my values for about five minutes. Sometimes I'll just write down what are my top 10 values. Sometimes I'll pick one and I'll go into, is this like, I'll challenge myself. Is this really my value? Why? Why Jason, why is this important to you? Right? And I'll just play with it. I want to get clear on those values because if at 7am I'm doing that when 4pm hits and willpower is down, I can remember what values I pre-committed to earlier in that day and then they will drive me later on in the day. Right? So I think that's really important. Uh, and then after values, I pick a word, this is something I started doing. I pick a word for the day and it's like my magic word. Like what is the one word that I'm just gonna infuse into everything I do today? So like today, clarity was my word. I just wanna be as clear as I possibly can with everybody. Right, just total clarity. So that's my word and I'm trying to, and when you pick a word for the day, you just think about it throughout the day, oh yeah, fucking clarity, let's be super clear, right? Let's not tiptoe around the bullshit, let's not sugarcoat anything, let's be as blunt and direct and clear as possible. So that's what I do in the morning, right? And overall, it takes about 45 minutes. Um, what you want to avoid for a lot of people is like the four-hour morning ritual, where some people, like, they do their yoga for an hour, meditate for 30 minutes, read one book for an hour, uh, you know, and then like, their morning ritual is so long that they're like, by the end of it, they're like, fuck, I got to get this thing over with so I can go to bed and do it again tomorrow, right? Like, we want to avoid that. So 45 minutes is, is mine. I wouldn't go any longer for anyone else. Um, And then at nighttime, there's just certain questions I ask myself. I like the the Ben Franklin question, which is uh, two questions he asked himself at night, which was, uh, what good did I do today? Very simple. What good did I do today? And what did I learn today? Right, what did I learn today? And Charlie Munger talks about this too, is that you want to learn, make sure you're learning something new every day, at least one thing. Now, most of us do have the opportunity to learn new things every day, but we don't consciously take the lesson in, right? Like from this experience here, I'm sure that there's lessons I could pull out of it, but if I didn't reflect on this experience, I wouldn't pull out those lessons. But at night, I take the journal, what good did I do today? I did this good, this good, this good. I want to train myself to just do as much good as I can for others and for the world and for myself. And then uh, what did I learn today? I write down, this is one thing I learned today. And it's just like, oh yeah. It's every time I do it, it's like, oh yeah, if I didn't write this down, I would have, this lesson would have never gotten in. Uh, and, then, and then usually sometimes also in terms of what good did I do, like the reason we do those two questions, are you familiar with Tony Robbins' hierarchy of needs?
0: Yes and no, hopefully.
1: Okay, so regardless, all you need to know is that the top two that he says are the, the two most important ones are growth and contribution. Are we growing, yes or no? And are, do we feel like we're contributing to the world or to ourselves or to our family or the people who love us and the people that we love, right? So when I answer those two questions at night, what good did I do today? If I answer anything there, have I filled my, my need for contribution? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm aware of the good I'm doing. I feel like I'm contributing. And then what did I learn today? If I learned something today, am I growing? Of course. Of course. So I'm hitting my two most important needs every day at night as well when I do that. Right? So those are why, that's what I do. The reason that they're there is, well one, if they weren't there, I would be victim to someone else's morning ritual. Right? Don't wanna do that. Uh, and two, in the morning, it feels like an on-ramp onto the highway i wake up i'm not like let's fucking go like i'm not there yeah. i need to slowly amp myself into it um i also want to make sure i move in the morning i want to make sure that uh, i'm hydrating like it, it checks off a lot of important boxes in terms of health and health and longevity and then at night it's frankly i didn't used to have a nightly ritual and i don't want it to take too long i just like to answer those two questions uh, i think it's just i think it's just something important to do it's just to get clear on what am I learning, am I growing, am I learning, am I growing? And to make sure if I'm doing those two things, then life is good and I can be patient with the results of business or patient with the results of the deals I'm working on because the important shit, already handled. Okay. Thank you. That was
0: really insightful. Cool. Okay, sweet. Next
1: one. Um, you know, and by the way, dude, I'm, I'm here to give you. don't have to thank me for each question. Like, it's cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um so we can, we can relax a little bit it's good and I, I know like you flew here and you're like holy shit, it's ha-. we we're good okay yeah we have some fun here
0: okay so as as a multi-millionaire marketer generated what 30 40 million online what would you say is the biggest difference between like an online coach who has like a high ticket offer that is successful in like generating an roi using their instagram versus the ones who are not
1: ones who sell high ticket offers. Yeah,
0: but the ones who are actually generating an ROI using Instagram versus the ones who are- On
1: Instagram specifically.
0: Specifically on Instagram.
1: Are you talking about organic Instagram or like like ads? Organic. Organic. Yeah. Well, typically the like, and when you say a successful high ticket offer that there's an ROI positive, how, how much revenue does it need to generate to be successful in your, in your map? 10K, I would say. 10K a month. A month. Okay, so then you had to take an offer that makes them 10K a month on Instagram organic. What are they doing that people who are trying to do that are not? Is that is that kind of call? Essentially, of yeah. Like what's the difference? They're closing in the DM. Okay. That there's like that's the whole answer. They're able to close in the DM. Because like if you're gonna sell just ten K stuff, which which is easy, right? You could you could do that right now. Right. If you're gonna do that on Instagram, it's gonna happen in the DM. Maybe the DM leads to a quick phone call and you close there, but it's in the DM where people are, it's like the safe space to communicate. It's private, it's intimate. You can have real conversations with people there. You can have real sales conversations. It's easier for people. A lot of people don't like to get on the phone anymore. right? I I ask all my audiences now, who here, if you bought a a product for a company, like even a coaching product or whatever, would you rather they text you right after you buy to thank you or they call you right after you buy to thank you? How many hands do you think go up for a phone call? Yeah, usually zero. If there's one or two, it's usually someone older, like 50 and above. What I've noticed in millennial generation, we don't like to talk on the phone. In fact, why is it even called the phone? We don't use it for a phone, right? We, we use, like 2% of the time, we use it for a phone. 98% of the time is for social media and apps and notes and all kinds of other stuff. It's like a mini-computer we take with, us. Every, it's not a phone. In fact, In fact, when someone we know tries to use it as a phone, we go, what's wrong with you? Why are you calling me? This is weird text me. So DM much better than phone. And the person who will sell, I take it ticket, they're going to sell it in the DM, right? Uh, and there's things like to close in the DM, there's things that have to happen before that point in terms of marketing so that the conversion can happen in the DM. For instance, the relationship your content has built up with that user or that follower before the conversation happened. Do they see you as credible? Do they see you as an authority? Do they like you? Do they know you? Do they trust you? Do they feel like you are the one who has the, the uh, elixir to their pain, the one who has the cure, the one who has the ticket to whatever it is they want. And a lot of times you want your content to allow them to decide from watching you, huh, like the best sales are when, they, when you talk to them, they've already decided they want to work with you. So you need your content to be able to create that effect. So when you talk to them in the DM, very little objection and it's just it's a sale. But it, but that the person who's not succeeding on Instagram and trying to make it happen, they're doing all the wrong things, right? In my opinion, they're just, they're just doing the wrong things. They're uh, they don't post enough. First of all, people do not post enough on Instagram. I don't post enough on Instagram. My team and I weed a call with Drock last week. Do you know who Drock is? No. Idea. So he's he's Gary Vanderchuck's like top content guy. He's produ- his producer now. He's awesome, right? People who like are like videographers like do they all love Drock? He's like a fucking legend to like people. Do you know they call them predators? You heard this before? People who produce, edit, and shoot. They do all three. They're edit, no. predators. I thought that's such a good name. Yeah, it's dope. Like predator, they all, they all, like he's like a legend yeah. with them, right? So we're talking to him, and Gary's putting out 100 pieces of content every single day 10 pieces on LinkedIn, 10 Twitters, 4 Instagram, 2 IGTVs. Who knows how many on Facebook and Story? Everywhere. He is everywhere all the time. Right? So they're putting out, he puts out a ton of content. We put out one Instagram post a day. Right? And he was like, you got to get that number up. That's not enough. You need to be on LinkedIn. You need to be on all these other places. You need to be posting everywhere. Your message is great. You're great at speaking. This shit needs to be everywhere. Right? So people aren't posting enough. Um, It's free to post on Instagram. Right? And yet people don't do it. So you post more content. The benefit is more people see you. More people see you as an expert, especially if you're helping them, you're demonstrating your expertise. In addition, you get better at being on video because you're posting all the time. And video is, it's, you know, I call them the big three high skills, capital closing, speaking. Speaking is video. Like You need to get good on video because in 2022, all of the biggest players online are going to be gangsters on video. And everyone who's not is going to be B-team, guaranteed.
0: Uh, well, that's because of the way social media is going.
1: Uh, do you see any other way it's going? Every, so attention is going to stay on social media. I don't yeah. think that's going anywhere. Platforms might change, but the attention is going to stay there. And video in 2019 uh, 19 this year is 80% of social media. By next year, the research says it's going to be 95%. So, it's, it's it, so, not else. so all the attention is going to be on something that's all video. You need to get good on video. And in 2019, you got, you got a couple years before, like, for the people who who ignore this, winter's coming. For the people who get it, welcome to summer forever. It's like, to me, it's that
0: simple. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question would be, I don't mean to pry, but I know you, Dude, you pry. changed your name like a long time ago. Sure. It online. Uh, what was like the reason behind that? And like, what benefits did you, did you see from doing that?
1: Uh, well, my mom got really mad at me. So that was a good benefit, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reason was, so I started a company when I was 20 for my dorm at Michigan State. You heard me talking about it before, right? First month, we launched it after I got a mentor. It made $20,000 uh, a month from there. I sold that business after about three years. And the name of that business was my, my birth name, and it was in the title of the business. So when they bought the business, they bought the brand name. And I didn't want, it was a basketball product, so I didn't want, like, I knew I was starting my dating company after that. I didn't want someone looking for, for like dating advice and then to find a basketball training product and be like, wait, is this a basketball guy or a dating guy?
0: I asked specifically because I changed my name as well. You did? Because of like, I wanted like an identity shift when I moved across the country.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the other part of it that I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that, but it's a cool benefit. Yeah. You know, it's a very cool benefit uh, that you get, to, you get to create a new character, right? You get to be a superhero. Right, you get to be you were Tony Stark. You get to be fucking Iron Man now, right? And that new identity can have new capabilities, new rules, new mindsets, new new all this stuff, and and that can it's cool. Like oh, I'll tell you a story here. Um, me and my sister growing up, she's two to three years younger than me, about two and a half. We we did not get along very much. Um, there were times we certainly did, but there's times where we were we were at each other and stuff like that, and. Uh, in, in our adulthood, we, there's been times where we're close and there's times where we haven't talked in a while. And uh, she came to LA with my parents about six months ago and we we're at dinner. And she obviously knows everything I do in business. And she was like, Hey, everyone here at dinner, I want you to call me Joy. Her name's not Joy. She goes, I want you to call me Joy. And my mom was like, No, we already do it for Jason. I'm not going to do it. No. And I was like, No, oh, that's cool. Joy. <laughs> I like that joy. And then I said joy. And the minute I said it, I realized, wow, a lot of those old triggers I had from that relationship were gone. It was, like, it was like talking to a new person with a really cool name. Makes you happy the minute you say it. Joy. Right? So now I just call her joy. And it's like our relationship's gotten much better as a result. It's such a simple little hack. But it's great because the, the old word, the sound, the, you know, there was certain meaning associated with that. And when you say a new one, well, there's no meaning. Now we get to create new meaning on that one as opposed to trying to replace the old.
0: That's really powerful. It's just that identity shift because you label the type of person you were if you're trying to change with that name. and You change the name and instantly you can start to feel like you can be a new person.
1: Totally. Yeah. Like, are you familiar with Beyonce?
0: Well, I know who she is.
1: Yeah, we all do, right? But she has an alter ego also called Sasha Fierce. And when Beyonce is at home with Jay-Z and the baby and they're, I don't know, like laying in Chanel sheets or whatever, she's Beyonce. But right before she goes on stage, when she is backstage, she does her physical anchor thing and she transforms and she becomes Sasha Fierce. And Sasha Fierce goes on stage and Sasha, Sasha Fierce will rock a fucking stadium of 100,000 people and make them eat out of the palm of her hand. And then when she's done, she goes back to Beyonce. And it's just, it's a good way to compartmentalize parts of you where you need to play a certain role and then other parts of your life where you need to play a different role. That's
0: powerful. Is that? Do you feel that's something that needs to happen often when you're in like business and different things like that? No,
1: I don't. See, I, I think it's huge when the person you see on camera is the same person you see off camera. Like, we, we did this thing, are you in the weekly skills program? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if you saw the contest we did. Did you hear about the contest? No. See, fucking Facebook into organic reach. We, we put a bunch of posts in the group where uh, anyone who put a 60-second testimonial for the group was entered to win two free tickets to HSS plus backstage meet and greet with me and all the speakers, right? So we got, I don't know, dozens and dozens of dozen people sending in their videos. And a couple of them who had met me in person were saying why they joined Weekly Skills is because when I met Jason in person, same dude as he is on camera. And that was a, the congruency was a huge plus for me. So I think it's really important in business that you are, especially if you're going to be a personal brand and you're going to be on video, you need to be the same fucking person throughout. I really have an a moral issue with the people who, I'm not saying you're better if you do this. There's no moral authority here. I just have, maybe it's a value issue. I just wouldn't do it when I see other people who it's a lot of putting on ears in front of the camera and on stage and then the minute the red light shuts off, they go back to being someone else. Um, And not in a good way. Like, there are people I know who will go on stage and they're like, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, love the world, give, give, give minute they get off stage, how much fucking money we make so far? They didn't fucking buy, like, I see people like that. And I saw that when I was younger. I've been, I've been speaking on stages since I was 22. So I've, I've been around a lot of it. And I, I was like, even younger, I was like, I never want to be like, I just want to be fucking real. Like, that's, like authenticity is, is one of my top three values. Like I just want to be fucking real all the way through. And it's a lot easier to be real all the time. Cause then you don't have to remember all these different fucking, you know, characters that you're supposed to, to play.
0: Um, what would you say for people who are still like in the rat race, who are struggling, who want to work on themselves? What would you say the top three books that you'd recommend for them to start catapulting towards where they want to go? Totally. Uh,
1: in terms of books, one would be Wealth Attraction by Dan Kennedy. I think it's the most important money book anyone will ever read, especially when they're starting. Two would be Influence by Robert Cialdini, so they can start to learn influence and persuasion and all that kind of stuff. And then someone just starting and they want to replace. The third, I don't mean to pitch my shit here, it wouldn't be a book, it would be Join My Weekly Skills because it's basically free and I'm, I'm teaching you all the shit you need to know to start building your own business, your own income
0: online. Okay.
1: Yeah. I know I just threw myself in there. I don't, I'm just gonna go with it, fuck it.
0: Do it, fuck it, why not? Um, next thing I'd want to know is what would you say was that moment where like, you just knew that life would never be the same? Like, was there a specific moment when it all shifted for you, and you're like, shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, it's a good question. So I, so I started my dating, I was in my mom's basement, right? You know my story. And I was legitimately broke and living down there. And I set a goal with the dating business. And from mom's basement, nine months later, I was a millionaire. And a couple months after that, I went to an event called Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is a big online marketing event, it was in San Diego. And uh, Ryan McGinn was there, he was a good buddy of mine, online marketer, and he hadn't seen me in about a year. So he saw me in mom's basement, he hadn't seen any of this stuff. Yeah. And now he saw me, And he knew, we would texted, he knew about my success, but he hadn't seen it. And he saw it, whether it was the clothes I was wearing, um, or whatever, he like saw it and he was like, dude, shit's changed, Like this is crazy. And that was kinda cool. But then that night, we went to a club, uh, it was called Basement in San Diego, and we got bottles, and I bought it all, and Ryan had never been that experienced, so I got to take Ryan. Another friend of mine, Brad Howard, I got to take out. He's an online marketer. And and Natalie was with me and we're all partying and and like doing all the shit I used to do in clubs, which was fun. Yeah. We go to dinner after, or like drunk food or whatever, and it's like 3 a.m., a place called Brian's, 24 hour place in San Diego. Sitting at the table, and I'm talking, you know, I'm 24 and making money, I'm talking about my success. Brad has recently scaled his business significantly. He's talking about his money. We're being like alpha assholes in this group. <laughs> like I'm better than you, shit. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. Like I would go to Vegas right now and just ball out for three days. Like, I don't care. He was like, Pff. I remember he slammed his head. I don't want to break Kevin's ass. He goes, he goes let's fucking do it. Yeah. And I was like, for real? He's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, I was like, you take care of the, the private jet, the PJ. I'll take care of all the bottles at all the clubs the whole weekend. I know the promoters. I know where to go. I'll take care of all of that. He goes, deal. And we literally went back to the hotel at 4.30 in the morning. And Natalie found a private jet company that could get us a plane at like 9 a.m. the next day. They were on the phone at 4.30. They faxed us the fucking thing we had to sign. And we got the private jet right there. Right? And uh, I told Ryan, you're coming. He was like, dude, I just flew all the way here from Florida for this marketing event. Now You want me to just leave on day one and go to Vegas on a private jet? Like, what the? F-? Like, a year ago, we couldn't afford Chipotle. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, no. I was like, be here at 9. Private jet gives you a free limo to the airport so you can be ready for it. He was like, okay. So, 9 a.m., I'm there, Natalie's there, a couple other girls are there, Brad's there, Ryan's nowhere to be found. I call, him, dude, where the fuck are you? Dude, I'm in bed. We're waiting in a limo to go on a private jet to Vegas, you asshole, where are you? He goes, you're serious? I thought you guys were joking. I'm like, no, I'm fu-. He comes downstairs in his pajamas and rides in the private jet with us in the pajamas, and the whole time, he's just like, he, I don't know if he's speechless or he's taking it in, he just, holy shit, this is, and we had the best three days in Vegas, like we destroyed Not just our livers, our vocal cords, our intestines, our our good, you know, bad and good bacteria balance, our intestinal flora. Like, we destroyed it. It was great. So much fun. That was, I remember coming back that weekend thinking to myself, like, this, like, I don't know. I spent like 20 or 25 grand in like four days here and it it was nothing. Like, something, but it wasn't that big a deal. And I got to like bring my friends in this experience. Like, this was insane. And I never want to go back to the way it was before. Like, this is, I'm, I'm going to keep building on this. This was great. I want to be able to do more stuff like this. And that was, like, the moment for me where I'm like, fuck, this is a new life. This is cool.
0: I can see why that is so pivotal. That's very powerful.
1: It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And you see Ryan ask him about it. He'll tell you. He just, he just could not believe that this is real. He's like, 11 months ago, like, Chipotle was an issue. Now there's a private jet. Like, now, like 11 months ago, the issue was Chipotle is expensive. Now it's, dude, you're missing the private jet. Like, crazy.
0: I'll definitely ask him at the summit.
1: Yeah, dude, talk to him okay. about it. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say is your deep-rooted why? I know you don't always speak about that on social media, but, like, what's that, aside from marketing and all that stuff, like, what's that deep why inside of you that keeps you going so much, that has you wearing, like, a keep-fucking-going shirt that makes you so driven?
1: When I was 13 years old, uh, me and all my friends decided we were all gonna play eighth grade basketball team together, and we all tried out. They made the team. I did not, and I remember trying to go to the coach like, "Why didn't I make it? Like, what? Like, I'm better than and some of them." And he just didn't believe in me, right? And I took that as a challenge, that like, "Fuck, like, fuck that," right? And I said, "I'm gonna play college basketball." Now, if you just got cut from not even high school, a middle school team. Do your prospects look like, does college basketball look like it's a legitimate like goal for you? No. Probably should try something else. So I set this impossible goal for myself, and I spent the next seven, eight years of my life training eight, you know, six, eight hours a day, seven days a week on this goal. And I eventually made it, and I played college basketball. And it started as a way to prove the coach wrong, to prove the friends wrong, to prove the non-believers wrong. But I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with, like... I would go to the gym and not even want to play. I would just want to do drills. I would just want to shoot by myself for four hours. Guys, hey, you want to play 5-on-5? Nope, I'm good. I just want to practice. I fell in love with fucking practicing and getting better and seeing progress. And so whatever I'm doing now, it's that thing I'm, I'm obsessed with. It's not, like, it is legitimately, it's not going towards any outcome. There is no special mansion on top of a hill that I'm, I have on a vision board there's no private jet on a vision there's none of that stuff i don't care about any of that stuff right it's just that let's just keep fucking going let's just keep getting better let's see how much potential we can tap into here what can we create like what brilliance can we create here that we can then give to others right and to me the greatest gift you can give someone is to be the example it's not here, I made this thing for you, I hope you like it. It's be the fucking example, and that will inspire them more than anything else, because they see you fucking doing it. So I always have that in the back of my mind, I need to be the fucking example for any, if anyone else is watching me at all, that's a fucking blessing, I'm fucking grateful for that, that's crazy to me, right? But if they're watching, I need to be the fucking example for them, and not like they need to copy me, but if they can get inspired by it, for their own mission, their own gifts, their own journey in life, then that feeds my spirit. That's a very
0: powerful. Why? That's very long ingrained too. It's not like it's just something
1: new. It's, it's no, it's not something new, man. Um, like yeah, like, like am I on a mission to create hundred millionaire students? Yes, hundred percent. Right? We've got seven now. We started tracking this four months. Ago. We got seven already. We're doing
0: five, like, two weeks
1: ago. I know, I know. We got seven now. Right? It's uh, it's great, right? But that is still a milestone. That's not the outcome. Like 100 million students in school, but that's not the outcome. It's just another great challenge in front of me that's going to challenge me to keep fucking going and keep growing. Does that, does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that's all it is. And at the same time, I'm well aware it is a great marketing you know, tactic as well, because there's all kinds of social proof. It's an aspiration for people who want to be my next millionaire student. It's great, right? It, it's great for everybody, but it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for me. because I didn't just say 100, I said 103 three years. Right, so I got my work cut out for me. Help, help, help create 100 millionaires in three years is, uh, you know, I'm, like I will probably outdo Harvard in those three years if I hit this. I don't think of their graduates they create 100 millionaires in three years. No, no, no. no. right. So I'm like, it's a, it's a cool challenge. And then the, maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Like I, I haven't gone that deep. Um, maybe I need to go take an ayahuasca journey or something. But like, I was rejected from every good college. I was brought up in, you know, you're gonna be a doctor, or lawyer, or an accountant, you need to get a good degree, a good education, and all the good schools, the top schools, I was rejected from because my grades weren't that good. So maybe there's also part of me that wants to say, you know, with the 100 million students, it's like a, like a little bit of a fuck you to that whole system, which I think is is largely incorrect anyways.
0: I completely
1: agree with the school system part they can mess up a lot of people that don't realize it. They don't realize it at all, and most, inf- it's, it's <sighs> It's heartbreaking because from a lot of people they don't realize it until it's too late. They bought, they bought the plan, college, job, climb the ladder, kiss ass for twenty-four years, then get promoted, and now they're forty-nine and they're making one hundred eighteen thousand dollars a year. And Mm -hmm. you cannot walk away from that. You have probably kids depending on you. Uh, You have some type of pension you're working towards, probably. Like you can't. You're fucked. It's, it's so hard, You're 49, it's so hard to walk away. Now you got to start a new career, new industry, new skills, new people. You've got to start all over, right? And then you put your family's food, you put all that stuff at risk. Like I have such compassion for the people who are 49 and are leaving that bullshit because they're not happy with it and they are starting their own business or they're, they're being an entrepreneur. Uh, I have a lot of compassion for them. I work with a lot of them, right? And
0: it's just really powerful. I love the way you put everything into a story. It just puts me into a trance and I feel like i my subconscious. <laughs> good,
1: dude. If I'm, I'm going to throw shit in there. Yeah, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm happy about that. Um,
0: very res- for you specifically, I'm very receptive to that. Good. Um, when it comes to mentors, what are your thoughts on having mentors who are way above you and why do you feel they're such help?
1: Dude, because they constantly reset your standard. Like, you think you're doing, like, you know, when I went to Dan Peñas, I was making like, like three, 2, 3 million bucks a year. I was partying a lot. I didn't work very much. I thought I was the shit. And then I go there and you know, and you, he sees your numbers and you tell him and everything. And he goes, oh, you're poor. Right? And Dan, of course, has his endearing way of saying these things. He goes, oh, you're poor. What do you mean I'm poor? Dude, if you got hit with a fucking lawsuit, you'd be fucked. You couldn't even afford the lawyers. Right? Like if, if someone else came at you and they had a bigger bankroll than you, you couldn't even outlast them in a court of law. You'd be fucked. And he goes, and by the way, most of the big deal makers, that's how they get you is with the lawyers. You couldn't even, you're poor, right? And that resets your expectation because you're like, fuck, all these bad things could happen. Doesn't mean they will. But if I'm going to keep making more money at the higher levels, I'm going to be playing with bigger ballers and bigger players who have bigger bankrolls, and I won't be able to compete. It'd be, like, it'd be like Gladiator going into the battle, and all I have is a fucking, is a, is a plastic knife, and they have swords, right? I just, I'm not prepared for this. And I could read about in a book. Yeah, three million is not that much money. You need more money. Like Felix Dennis has this great book where he talks about. Felix Dennis uh, started FHM magazine, a bunch of other magazines. He was, I think, worth like five hundred million dollars when he died. British guy. And he wrote a book. I think it's called How to Get Money. So you can look it up. It's a. He's a couple books. They're really good. But in there, he's got a chart where he says your net worth and your, the word to describe you. So for him, I think ten million is like poor. 50 million is like middle income. I don't know if I'm exactly right. 100 million is like affluent, 200 million is rich, 250, or you know, 400 million is super rich, and then a billion has another name for it, right? And you could read that in a book and you could be like, damn, like I'm really poor. But it doesn't hit you the way Dan Pena in person verbally hits you when he says you're poor. Like you read it in a book, how many senses are we activating? Just a couple. Yeah, right, there's a couple. You have internal dialogue. Yeah. You got sight, right? But in person, how many senses? Everything. Everything. Touch, smell. You can smell them. Fucking taste the Scottish air. Sight, right? All of it. You got. So it's a it's It hits all the senses, and it, it hits you on such a deeper level. That's why I talk about environmental exposures a lot, because if it's yeah. environmental, like real, like this right now, yeah. you're getting all the senses right now, right? And it's going to hit you so much harder than than books will, because the level of intensity and emotion is just not there. So that's why, to me, that's one of the biggest reasons mentors are important. And then, of course, there's also like, dude, you just need outside eyes. We all need outside eyes. Meaning, like, with our businesses, these are our babies. We love them. We give them way more importance than we should, right? They're the most important things in the world. Because of that, we have, even as zen as you try to be, there's some attachment to it, some emotional attachment to the business, and that emotion creates clouds. So it's foggy when you try and get a clear look at your business. Someone on the outside, they don't have that. They have no attachment to your business. They can see things that you can't. So that's why I always need mentors and people around me to, yeah. for that, those outside eyes. Those are two of the biggest reasons for sure.
0: Okay, and what would you say are your biggest factors for your success? I'm sure you've taken the time to look back at it now that you've achieved your success. What would you say were the main factors that helped you achieve that?
1: Mechanically, copy, closing, speaking. By far, like mechanically speaking, um, in terms of mentality, this. That's why I wear it on every one of my shirts. I just did. I, I never stopped. Right? There were times where I didn't stop, but I coasted, and every time I coasted, I got, I got my ass fucked up by the marketplace. Right? Bad things happened. So I've I've learned that coasting is just it's quitting. It's the same thing. Like coasting is quitting. So. I have, to, I have to do this. Gas pedal, 100 miles an hour, like, let's just go, 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 go. Um, that mentality with mechanical skills, the high-income skills of copy-closing speaking, the big three, and then the, I think just a Kaizen approach to everything where I'm not outcome-dependent. I'm just, let me just get a little bit better every day. I think if you mix all those up in a pot and you make them into cookies, they're, like, better than Mrs. Fields, in my experience. Do you know what Mrs. Fields is? Okay, I didn't, I didn't know if they had any candy. All right, nice. They're delicious. They are fucking delicious. I was thinking about actually going to the store the other day and buying Mrs. Field cookies and just like on a Sunday, just cheap mealing it out. That sounds delicious. It sounds great, right? I didn't do it though. I should have. It slowed you down. I, I, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, listen, I work out twice a day. Like so, I, I work out twice a day because uh, John Romanello, who's a, who's, uh, you know Roman? Are familiar with him.
0: Jim Roman? Or-
1: John Romanello. Never heard of okay, John Romano, good buddy of mine. Um, he wrote a book called Engineering the Alpha New York Times bestseller. Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote the foreword. He's like a celebrity trainer. Great dude. Uh, but he told me years ago, I still remember, he goes, he goes, if you work out once a day, then those few hours after you work out, like your body will use whatever you take as fuel. You won't really gain fat because your body needs to replenish. But he goes, if you work out twice a day, you can basically eat anything you want all day and you really won't gain fat. So I was like, okay, I like working out. I can do that. So I, work, I literally, I work out twice a day now so I can eat whatever I want. I eat healthy most of the time, I feel it's like a permission slip once oh, in a while. If I want to eat some shit, I can eat some shit. I feel
0: that. I did bodybuilding back in the day and competed, so like, there was a lot of cheat meals and like, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, as a, as a bodybuilder then, you know there's actually a scientific component to the cheat meal. Yeah, you levels. Yes, exactly, so your body gets out of starvation mode. Yeah,
0: yeah. okay. Say, for like people watching who want to be like your next millionaire student, but they just don't have that belief. Like, what are some action steps that they could take to start moving towards being like your next millionaire student?
1: If, if you're waiting for belief, you will be waiting forever. Okay. You don't believe and then and then you do. You do and then you believe right. Behavior doesn't follow beliefs. Beliefs follow behavior. I could all day long give you, like I think affirmations are stupid. right? I think, I think standing in front of the mirror and saying these affirmations over and over, I just think they're stupid. I know Pena talks about, I think they're stupid. Should you have really good self-talk with yourself? Yes, but if you do 20 affirmations in the morning, and they're all good, and then you spend the rest of the day beating yourself up, affirmations don't mean shit because you've got one minute of affirmations and 23 hours, 59 minutes of garbage. Garbage is gonna win. Much better, in my opinion, to Kaizen, the skill of just self-talk all day long, or even better, you can work on this, the Zen skill of no no mind, yep. where you're just conscious all day and you're aware, that's like, you know, something I'm, I'm always trying to build within myself, right, nirvana, working towards it.
0: That's another question I wanted to ask you. Um, I think I took it off, but now that you mention it, it feels right to ask. Sure. Um, as someone who's very, obviously, pretty close to enlightenment, it's, just, you can just tell by the way you carry yourself and you speak and your consciousness, what would you say for someone to do if that was like a mission that they knew was like their higher purpose? Like what would be some action steps that you feel they could take based off of your life experience?
1: So first of all, I have no idea if I'm anywhere near enlightenment. I, I wish there was like a thermometer check where you could be like, oh, like three more meditation sessions about to hit Buddha, right? That would be cool. I'd, I'd, it's, There's no outcome here. There's no, I'm not working towards nirvana. I'm not working towards enlightenment. I just want self-mastery. That's it. And that's a Kaizen process. It, it's Kaizen, I, and I am committed for, the, for as many wonderful days I get to breathe this air, I will, I will Kaizen that. In terms of practices someone can take on, I think, uh, I really believe everyone should do yoga. I don't care what kind you do. I don't care how often you do it. I just think you should do it. I think that will do wonderful things for your mind-body connection, for your groundedness, your zenness, whatever you want to call it, you'll work through a lot of your shit on the yoga mat. A lot of people don't realize that. If you if you walk by a yoga class and you look in the window and you see someone and they're just like this or something, you go, oh, they're stretching, right? What you don't realize is, and you can't see walking by, is there's a huge mindfulness component to yoga that the passerbyer cannot see. Only the experiencer can know. So. Yoga is like a prescription for everybody. It really truly is. Meditation is also, I think, if we grew up in a, a world and a culture that didn't condition us with all kinds of beliefs and, and all kinds of stuff like that, meditation wouldn't be necessary. Like the root of meditation is the same root as medicine it's medicine for your brain, it's like a shower for your mind. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of dirt that comes in in this world that we live in today, and I think meditation is a great response to that. So I would do yoga, I would do meditation, and then I would expose myself to other types of philosophies. Read a lot of the great thinkers of all time. Like, don't read the books and the people who hit the New York Times bestseller list in the last 20 years. A lot of those ideas, like, like I, I don't want to, like, pick on any author here, but, like, if I if I think about a book that was like a New York Times bestseller and then no one ever thought about it again, like think about like the book Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Have you read that book? Yeah. yeah. So Influence, he wrote first. And that book has lasted like a long time. It is still a huge bestseller. It's been like 30 years. But Persuasion, no one talks about that much. No one's like, if you've got to read one Cialdini book, read Persuasion, right? It, when I read that book, it felt to me like he was putting it out because he wanted money it didn't feel like it needed to be written a whole book about this idea. It's called framing. We've been doing this a long time online, yeah. right? It, it felt like it was more of a money grab, whereas influence felt like, wow, this is like incredibly well thought out, not just the information, but the way he structured it, the ideas, the philosophy behind it. Like, it is a powerful book. Persuasion is an example of a lot of these books that come out now where the author just wants to get New York Times bestsellers stamped on their resume so they can market better and sell more and get more speaking gigs or corporate training gigs or whatever it is that they want. Look at the books and the ideas that have lasted 500 years or 5,000 years. Expose yourself to those ideas. Those ideas that have stood the test of time, there's something to them and they're worth studying. Read Aristotle. Read Lao Tzu. Read Buddha, read Zen, read the Zen philosophy, the body dharma. Uh, I like Osho. Osho is a guy I've learned a ton from. Osho's great. Alan Watts is a great thinker to listen to. Um, but expose yourself to some of these spiritual components that aren't directly related to, like I look for the spiritual components that aren't directly related to religion. I, wa- I want a spirituality that has no rules. Because the minute it's rules, then it's religion. Yeah. Right. Religion says you do this, you do this, you do this, you don't do that, you don't do that, you don't do that. Anything where it's so certain, you always do these things, you never do these things, doesn't feel truthful to me. It feels like one person's way of how to live your life. I don't want the person to tell me how to live my life. I want the person who's going to teach me how to think about life and let me decide what the rules are going to be. And I believe people are morally good. And when they're conscious, they're truly conscious, I believe that they will choose the right things to do and they will have the right intentions. So yoga, meditation, and then read the books. One good book a lot of people can start with uh, by Osho is called Courage. I think it's a really good place to start. And again, like a lot of people, they hear the word Osho, if they're listening to this and they've never heard of him, they're gonna Google him and they're gonna find the Netflix documentary and they're gonna take a, again, they're going to look at one drop of water and assume they, they speak ocean. They're gonna Google one search page one, Osho, Netflix, huh, cult leader. That's going to be their one drop and they're going to assume, I don't want to learn from that guy. They take one little thing and then they generalize. They say, oh, look at this one piece of, of element about his life. Therefore, I can't, learn any, I can't learn anything from him, which is just a heartbreaking thing to do because you have just stopped yourself from all this potential growth and opportunity you could have learned. So like, Google him if you want to do your research on him, but don't be stopped by the fact that one side says he was a cult leader because there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who were never in his cult, who only read his books, or, or watched, or did his dynamic meditations, whose lives are immensely improved as a result of his teaching.
0: Okay. So powerful again. Um, for some reason, a story about Elliot Hulls popped into my mind when you were cool. talking. Uh, bioenergetics. Yes. Um, you're pretty. Like, I've been doing experimenting with some of that as well. What are your thoughts on like? What have you learned and like? How could we, like, educate people
1: a little bit more on that? I, Dude, I fucking love bioenergetics. So the first time I ever did bioenergetics, I had my high set summit in 2017. And I knew Elliot was big into it, and he's talking about it on his YouTube and everything. Me and Elliot are very good friends. I've known him for 11 years now. And he spoke at the summit, and I said, dude, after the summit's over, I want you to come over to my house and put me through one of your bioenergetic sessions. Like, I've read about it online, but there's, you can only do so much when you read it or learn about it online versus you get it in person. So I wanted it. He goes, all right. He goes, there's two things I need from you. We're going to do this. Sure. What do you need? He goes, one, we need a mattress where we can, we need like a mattress on the ground. I was like, okay, I can get that. He goes, two, we need a joint. Really? Yep. We need a joint. Okay. No questions that. I'm like, okay, cool. I can get that. I'm in California. We can do that, right? So he comes over after the summit and uh, we smoke the joint together. And the reason we do what he says is because he's found it's indica weed, which is a more body high and it'll put you more in your body, and that will actually allow you to release uh, faster because you get into your body a little bit easier where, versus if you did bioenergetic silver. Yeah. So it was kind of like uh, you do the drug before the, the experience. Yeah. When we're done with that, he goes, all right, follow me to your bedroom. I'm like, that's a weird thing to say to someone. <laughs> okay, I'm like, dude, this is your, I'm, I'm, like, I'm playing. This is your game, cool. Um, so I follow him to the bedroom. We get in there, he shuts the door, dims the lights. He goes, take off your shirt. Okay, take off my shirt. Take off your pants. Damn. I, I give in my mind. I'm like, he's seducing me right now. And I'm giving him no resistance at all. I take off my pants and down to my boxer briefs. And I then we start doing biometrics. We do bone and arch. We do deep, deep breathing. It was some of the most intense like exercise I've ever had in my entire life. Then we go to the mattress. And I'm kicking and screaming. And I'm yelling. And some point in there, 30 or 40 minutes in, I lost myself. Jason Capital disappeared. Personality, identity, all the character, It all disappeared. And I I don't wanna give it a name, I was just gone. And I remember about 15, 20 minutes later waking up, looking at the ceiling, and I had a giant smile on my face. And I was like, wow, this is great, I feel great. And then my second thought was, why am I so happy right now? I have no reason to be happy, right? And then I was like, wait, why do I need a reason to be happy at all? And then I just kept smiling, right? And it was like a really deep, eye-opening experience for me. Like deep, it really opened me up. Um, and it was an amazing experience. And ever since then, I have done bioenergetics. i practiced it. I, I got another bioenergetics coach. His name is Devaraj Sandberg. And I worked with him for a while. And it was it's great. right? So if I had to add one more to your list, by the way, yoga, meditation, and the reading, it would be bioenergetics. Okay. Yeah. So I, like, hopefully that story just is going to – you talked about how can we get more people interested. Hopefully that story will, will awaken people who have tried all these other ways to like, – like bioenergetics works because living in a society, there are certain – emotions we can express and there's certain emotions we can't express. And so every time there's an emotion we can't express because we'll go to jail or someone will yell at us or whatever, we bottle that emotion in and it gets stored somewhere in our physical body, in the fascia usually, or in the muscular, usually in the fascia. Um, and, and when we build up all these stored emotions, we repress them. And a lot of depression is caused by repression and the, the key of course for repression or depression is expression. You need to express. You need to release these things. Boundergetics is the best way I've ever found to actually release a lot of those stored emotions or trapped energies or traumas or whatever in a very safe space. And you, if someone does if someone boundergetics for a year, no matter what they're dealing with now, I really believe that they will they have transformed as an individual after those 12 months. Powerful. Okay. Um, Dude,
0: I love it. Appreciate it so much, man. Why don't
1: you have the time you want for yourself yet? Why does your job keep letting you down? It's because you haven't developed the high-income skills yet to create your own high-income empire for yourself and your family. So at the link below, you now have me as your personal mentor completely free for the next seven days. You have a free username and password. I'm going to get started with you right away. And if you love it, it's only $10 a month after that. All right, you pay more for Spotify, and I promise you Spotify is not going to change your life in your business the way that this can. Now I can do this forever. So hit that link and come join us inside
0: right now.